Welcome to Amateur Activist. It's your host, Isabella Herrera, and this is the podcast where we attempt to change the world. Every episode, I'll bring you relevant and relatable conversations to equip you to be amateur activists. New episodes every other Friday, so strap in and get ready to dive into big conversations as we embrace our inner activist. Well, welcome back to another episode of Amateur Activist. Um, before we begin, any questions I have to ask, could you, well, first of all, welcome to the podcast, um, but could you introduce yourself to everyone or anyone who listens, um, who you are, what your pronouns are, and what you identify as or with? Yeah, so my name is Brent and I use they, them pronouns. I'm non-binary, queer, pansexual, polyamorous, autistic, and ADHD. Love that. Do you mind just very quickly kind of elaborating a bit on um, what you identify as for people that may maybe don't know what those um, identifiers mean or what they actually look like practically? Yeah, for sure. So non-binary... Um, is basically going, I don't identify as male and I don't identify as female. And so non-binary is everything that is not one of those two things. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of different kind of terms that come under non-binary. It's like a big umbrella, um, but I just use the, the umbrella at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, queer is kind of a catch-all term. Um, I, I use it because there's a lot of stuff that is just difficult to figure out sometimes. Yeah, um, pansexual yeah. is attraction to like all genders and sexes kind of regardless of like irrespective of gender and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, polyamory is either being in or the desire to be in multiple romantic and or sexual relationships. Um, yeah. And Autism and ADHD are two different forms of neurodiversity that are both competing in my brain for space, which is fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, love that. I am welcome, Bren, to the podcast. Um, it's episode two. Um, for those of you that don't know, here on the podcast, we have extended Pride Month past the month of June. We are now towards the, I guess, middle slash end of July. And this is episode two of our Pride Month series. And so the first question I have to ask is, um, what does Pride Month or what does Pride as someone who is queer, like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so for me, there's kind of two key parts to this idea of Pride or Pride Month. You know, part of it is about visibility it's being able to express who we are and remind people that we're here and the struggles that we face um and part of it's also about celebration about being able to be authentically ourselves and taking pride in what that is and what that looks like so the purpose of these episodes is um to elevate experiences and to elevate um voices of queer folks and so i would love it if um in as much or as little detail as you feel comfortable with just sharing a bit of your story of the journey that 
um, you went on that led you to the beautiful person that you are today um, with everyone listening. Yeah. Um, so I'm relatively speaking new to this. I kind of only figured everything out in the last couple of years. It's been a long road up to that. But um, at the time, it felt like I figured everything out very suddenly and quickly. Um, unfortunately, that was also when I was in the middle of a marriage and in the middle of working at a church. So that made things a little bit complicated. Just a little. Um, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, long story short, both of those came to an end and I was able to find people and spaces that were affirming, affirming and supportive. Um, I'd kind of already come out to a number of people individually, but I was able to also come out publicly about a year and a half ago now, which I felt very grateful to be able to do because I know not, not everyone is able to do that safely and comfortably, but I, I was, and so I'm grateful to be able to do that. Mm. Has it been like a, um, like, if you don't mind me asking, like, was mm. it something that you had always questioned or known about yourself? like growing up or was it something that kind of mm. as you um stepped into adulthood or as you were I don't know fill in the blank that you were kind of aware that mm -hmm. maybe you identified as something other than you know a straight fill in the blank yeah 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 see this is this is the trick right because I was I was brought up in a fairly traditional Christian household and so we didn't talk about gender and we didn't talk about sexuality. And so right. I didn't really know that there were things other than male or female. I didn't know about trans people until I was well into high school, a little bit into university. I didn't know about non-binary until the last few years. I'd never heard that term before and used in, in the sense of gender. Um, and in terms of sexuality, like that was never discussed like at home or like even at church it was kind of just thrown across to the side and we didn't really talk about it that much um and so like I knew that I didn't have a typical relationship with gender and I didn't really resonate with the idea these kind of stereotypical ideas of maleness and masculinity but I didn't know what to do with that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what, what to do with that or what that meant or what that looked like. Um, so it was just like, okay, I guess I'm just not a normal guy and that's fine and that's okay. Um, I'm like, okay, I'm different. Cool, that's fine. I, but I didn't know what that meant or what that yeah. looked like. Um, and so it, it took me a long time. Like I've known I was different for ages, but it's taken me a long time to figure out what different parts of that difference look like and mean and like part of that journey has been figuring out that i'm autistic and part of that journey has been figuring out that i'm adhd and part of that journey has been figuring out that i'm pansexual and part of that journey has been figuring out that i'm non-binary and kind of been figuring out bits of that as i've gone along yeah so it's been a long journey but i'm here <laughs> i <laughs> i feel like here. in and this goes across like so many different types of topics within the Christian mm. sphere, but I feel like yeah. so often in order to like keep people from becoming their true selves, which we might deem as sinful or wrong, we don't mm. give them the language to really identify themselves mm. or to like um, 
identify an experience or a feeling yeah. and we think that that prevents people from you know becoming queer or you know becoming depressed uh, or having sex or whatever the yeah. we're trying to yeah. prevent people from doing mm, mm, but in mm. reality it just causes like so much harm and it causes so mm. much confusion because mm. like people are still experiencing these feelings or you know yeah, feeling exactly. like you're yeah. not a typical guy but you're still feeling those things it's just you don't mm. have the language to go oh maybe i'm non-binary or maybe i'm just yeah. like you know xyz and yeah 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 exactly like and if you don't have language for it you're going to find other language for it that maybe isn't as helpful right like i was experiencing attraction to men and people that weren't women from early on but because i didn't have a word for that i labeled that as lust right. and it took me a, a while to be able to go actually this feels like basically no different to the attraction that i'm feeling to women <laughs> it's mm. exactly the same yeah um and so i need to have a this 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 is just the same and so it's it's still love and so i need to be able to go okay that that means that i'm yeah this this is this is different and i need to understand that this is different to what i've been taught and different to mm -hmm. kind of what i've been led to understand yeah um how did you like end up finding like i know you you mentioned that it's been quite recently that you've kind of been able to put all these pieces mm. together but how did you like start to find that language or find like um terms that you actually started to go oh i resonate with that or that makes me feel mm. you know mm. seen was it just a matter of like being around other queer people or like what was kind of the trigger yeah. of going oh like that actually might be that might be me <laughs> yeah 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 um I, th I think a lot a lot of it was being around other queer people kind of and like slowly over time I, I got to know kind of bits and pieces um what the actual trigger was for me in the end I have no clue my brain is weird it was just <laughs> a day that my brain was like hey this is a thing that you shelved ages ago let's bring this up and I was like oh Yes, I should, I should I should think about that now that I have time <laughs> to think about that. Um, because I think ages and ages ago, my brain was like, maybe this is a thing. And I'm like, maybe it is. I do not have the brain space to think about that right now. Let's put that yeah. on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so my brain was like, let's take that off the shelf. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, let's, <laughs> that, that's probably worth thinking about. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> um. Mm. So you've very briefly mentioned it, but um, you are queer and you still identify as um, a Christian. And mm. I think that's really important to maybe spend some time on just because yeah. um, I think there is this uh, idea or this kind of messaging put out by the Western church that the two cannot coexist. Or mm -hmm. if you are a queer Christian, you have this internal conflict and you're, yeah. you know, struggling and it's, you know, mm. two forces within yourself battling for, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. almost like, it's so <laughs> odd. And so, yeah. um, and I think it is odd, but I think it's also like, 
quite founded in that like why would you even want to identify as a christian because mm, yeah this our space is not has not been welcoming or affirming yeah um yeah. and so i would love if you could spend if we could spend some time talking about that um or about that yeah. journey of like i guess what kept you in this space yeah for sure yeah it is it is a bit complicated and, and strange and on all of this all these different things interacting together like when i when i first figured out that i was a queer there was kind of a there was a bunch of different questions that kind of came up and the more that i started digging and digging it felt like the more things started to unravel <laughs> until like a lot of the things that i believed before kind of fell apart mm. um which was fun um but yeah and so like i'm like i wouldn't call myself an evangelical christian anymore i don't think heterosexual monogamous marriage is the only right way to do relationship before god and i tend to think that you know we're, we're all safe not just folks who say that, that that they're christian but you know even though a lot changed there were things that kind of stayed true throughout mm -hmm. you know i still believed that and still believe that god is is real and good and loving and alive that jesus was a real person who walked around a couple of thousand years ago and that God wants to be in relationship with me and wants to help me live an awesome life. Mm. Um, and so there's kind of this, this core in the middle here that I'm like, I, I feel like this is kind of stayed here and there's a lot around the outside that I'm like, eh, I kind <laughs> of know what this looks like maybe. Um, but I, I hold everything, I think a lot more loosely I guess, mm. than I used to. I think I, I held things a lot more firmly before I was like, yes, I have figured everything out and I know all the things. Um, I, I didn't quite think quite as, as firmly as that, but I, I was fairly sure of, of, of where things were, where, whereas now it's like, uh, I, I, I don't really know. I have no clue. Mm. I, I have some things that I'm like, I'm pretty sure of. And there's a lot that I'm like, uh, I don't really know, but yeah. I'm, I'm, comfortable enough in in what I do know that I'm like yes I'm comfortable keeping on heading down this path yeah um but yeah like you're, you're right the church has often not been a great place for queer people and many churches today still are not um yeah. but I guess I feel grateful to have been able to find faith communities that that are affirming and are very yeah. queer and very welcoming of the diversity that God has created um but I also understand that for many that hurt is too great and they kind of need to pull away from organized religion in its entirety and i think that that's completely valid and healthy like i yeah. don't i don't think that god is confined to churches and buildings and organized meetings I, yeah. I, I think that um god is pretty good at kind of showing up wherever in our lives we're comfortable with meeting them like whether that's through people or through whatever it is that we're doing in life um yeah yeah so yeah, if, I, if you want, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. I, um, one of the questions I asked Karen and Steph in the last episode was like, do you, well, I guess the first question is like, do you read the Bible as like mm. the word of God? Um, I do read the Bible. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I love the Bible, but yeah. there's also a lot of stuff in the Bible that I go, I, I I don't know what I think about this anymore. Yeah. Well, because my follow-up question is like, yeah. do you read it and go the the Bible, but also the God that I, you know, 
that I follow and that I love is affirming. Cause I think mm-hmm. a lot of, um, straight Christians that uphold a non-affirming view yeah. believe that because they believe scripture yeah. affirms their non-affirming yeah. view. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, and I think that was something I had to work through in, in the early days of going kind of breaking down those, those Bible passages, the clobber passages they're often called and going, okay, what, what are these passages actually saying and doing a bit of work around that, um, which was fun. Um, looking at some of those and diving into like the historical context around that sort yeah. of stuff, which I always enjoy because I'm very much a nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I don't think the Bible is unaffirming. I think it's probably, it's probably a stretch to say it's going like all out quiz or amazing and all that sort of thing. But it's but it's certainly saying it's certainly in support of diversity and mm. in support and going, you know, God has created this diverse people, this diverse um, humanity. And that's an intentional part of creation. And you, we see that across so many different aspects of, of people. And part of that is in sexuality and in gender um and i I don't think that's a mistake i think that's a design feature not a flaw Mm. (laughs) um yeah yeah no i love that because um one of the like people want to argue with me over scripture and it's like the fun for me it's the funniest thing to encounter because my response is normally like the god that i have dedicated my life to is affirming. And so regardless of what you think yeah. scripture says, like the the revelation I have of him is affirming mm. and inclusive and arms open yeah. wide. And so yeah. that's like a tr- my trump card is I'm like, I can't yeah. like, I'm not gonna argue yeah. with you. And so I love that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like a shared, um, mm. s- seems to be a shared experience um, when I talk to yeah. Um, like queer Christians who were like, oh yeah, like same. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I would love to talk about, um, I guess, the intersex- intersectionality. Yes. That's a big word. Amazing word. <laughs> intersectionality. Word, but I love it. Um, yeah. Of, I guess, your three umbrella identities, right? Like your queerness, your faith, mm. and um is it neurodiverse neurodivergent yeah yeah sweet. yeah so so a group of people can be neurodiverse one person is neurodivergent okay yeah. perfect good to know okay yeah. sweet so i love to talk about those three kind of broad groups and how they yeah. all um yeah intersect and how they work like work together and what they how they create such a great human being <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. Uh, um, so yeah, I don't know where you want to take this or how we want to mm. go about this, but um, yeah, I'll yeah. let yeah. kind of you all, all lead, good. and then we'll yeah, yeah, it yeah, out. yeah, all good. Yeah, so so I'm I'm autistic and ADHD, as as I mentioned before, and I was I felt really grateful actually. I was able to talk about neurodiversity at my church. Yeah, um, right last month which is really lovely um and like the neurodivergent experience is really interesting but also very 
diverse, like as it <laughs> says, neurodiversity, funnily enough. Um, so obviously I, I can't really speak for everyone, but I think for a lot of us, it means that we're connecting to things in different ways than neurotypical people, you right. know, connecting to other people in different ways, connecting to spaces and groups in different ways, connecting to God in different ways. Mm. Um, and some churches can find that a bit difficult to account for or don't really know how to handle that. And really it's an, it's, it's an access issue and that's a diversity mm. issue. Um, and unfortunately many churches are not accessible in various ways, um, but things are, are slowly getting better, but slowly. Um, and you know, the thing is many neurodivergent people are, are also queer. There's, there's a big overlap. Um, and so there's like a doubling and intensifying of that inaccessibility, or in some cases, just complete rejection when people are thrown out of the church because they're queer or sometimes thrown out of the church because they're neurodiverse, autistic or whatever it might be. Um, and often this is born out of a lack of understanding about neurodiversity or about yeah. sexuality or about gender. And many churches kind of just sweep these things under the rug and don't really dive into what these things actually mean for people. Mm. Um, which is sad when it is a really important part of a lot of people's lives. Um, and like we're learning more and more about how many people there are that are neurodiverse and so it feels like it's going to be like a bigger and bigger issue moving forward for mm. for people to be able to at least at a surface level understand what this means and kind of entails um but yeah because of that lack of understanding this there's a fear and division that kind of gets multiplied and misunderstandings kind of abound but mm. hopefully this is something that is starting to change um and it feels like there's knowledge that is growing around these things, but it's, it could certainly get a lot better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love what you said just now about like, you know, your, what did you say? Your, how you relate to, you know, people and to God, I just is, is different and unique, but hmm. I would love if you like, if you can, if you have the language to explain like how you think, your relationship with God is maybe different or like, cause it, it almost like when people are confused or afraid of what I understand that they don't maybe don't understand the breadth and the depth of um, neurodiversity, but like to, to yeah. the, to the extent that they don't include people confuses me. Cause it's just like, Oh, like God is personal and unique to each person. And so isn't that so cool that like, a group of people relate to him so differently than like mm. neurotypical people. And I find that like, that draws me in. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, if you, if you could put language to it um, or explain it, um, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. I can, I can, I, I can at least attempt to, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, I think, I think the difficulty here, right. Is that, you know, I mean, each, each person is different. And so how each person kind of connects to God is going to be different. But churches in general have kind of been built, I guess, around kind of some of the ways that it feels like most people, I guess, right. kind of connect. And so a lot of the time the focus is around, you know, music. The focus is around sermons 
and the focus is around kind of interconnecting so with with other people um and so it's going okay if if you don't and and like around bible reading as well and prep and so it's going okay if you don't connect to god in in one of these ways or if these are things that that perhaps cause anxiety for you or that cause sensory issues for you then that can be a disconnect between you and god rather than a connect mm. between you and god um and so it's understanding that actually there's a lot of other ways that people can connect to god and going okay well what what does that look like for people how can we foster that either within a church environment or in other like small group environments or what have you or how can we overcome the sensory issues that are causing this disconnect mm. um and what that looks like exactly is going to change depending on who you have in your congregation and all right. these sorts of things um you know um it, it it doesn't make sense to try and address every every single issue for every single congregation when you don't have all all of the different um different things present in every congregation and it's it's difficult to to try and do everything for everyone um and so you you kind of have to work figure out okay what what are the access issues that are he here for the people that that we have and kind of mm. work work with that um like i i think i am quite grateful that i do connect well with 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 some of the main ways that that church does work like i'm i'm very musical and so i love the music um I love talking and so I connect well with with sermons though I and, and and doing that sort of thing I love reading and so bible reading is great um you know and so I'm probably somewhat fortunate in that I've been able to connect a bit better there than perhaps some other neurodiverse people um neurodivergent people have been able to um but that's not certainly not true of, of everyone and I don't mm -hmm. have as many sensory difficulties as, as some other people do um but yeah it's 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 figuring out okay what what are other ways that we can provide to be able to connect if these aren't working for people and what what are the sensory issues present that we can we can try and work through I guess yeah, yeah. and I think that doing that benefits even like it's just as beneficial for everyone across the board in 100%. my opinion yep. um 100%. i have ocd and anxiety and mm -hmm. recently have developed what i guess termed religious ocd mm -hmm. and so have had to give up um bible reading prayer um and like the two <laughs> main things that mm -hmm. you know yeah air quotes, healthy Christians engage with sure, when it sure, comes sure. to yeah, yeah. like, you know, showing that you have a healthy spiritual life. And mm -hmm. one of the main like obstacles was I didn't know, I didn't have any other resources on how to engage mm -hmm. with God. 
and yeah. or how to engage with others. And I didn't know how to navigate feeling spiritually healthy without these two things. And so yeah. I say that all to say that if churches, pastors, leaders, whatever, start to develop resources for um, neurodivergent people, then mm. I think it benefits like broader community. It benefits, mm. um, it's just beneficial, which I think is just yeah. the, like the outcome of inclusivity across the board, right? Is if you're more inclusive 100%. of people on the margins, it just is better for literally everyone involved. Yeah. And particularly because the trouble is you often don't know how many people are on the margins because a lot of people yeah. won't tell you. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people won't tell you necessarily that they're that the neurodivergent or sometimes they won't know. They yeah. won't know that that like they're undiagnosed and they don't have other people in their lives that can that can tell them. Yeah. Um and so just being more inclusive just helps everyone so much. Yeah. A big part of um, my, I guess, role sounds way too like official and professional, but <laughs> I'm an ally. Yeah. And so yeah. um, I work really hard to continue to be an ally and to make sure that I'm doing things that um, queer people specifically in this context deem as allyship um mm. and i think that's that for me is like one of the most exciting parts about pride month is mm. i'm figuring out ways that i can best support speak up for hold space for stand in the gap for um my friends mm. and my family and so um and i know that there has been at least in my circles especially christian circles there's been a lot of argument about what does allyship actually mean? And what does mm. affirming mm. actually look like in the practical outworkings beyond just saying, yeah, I'm affirming. And then <laughs> you post mm. about it on mm. social media and that's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd love for you as an individual, what does it actually mean to like to have an affirming friend or to have someone that um, labels mm. themselves as an ally? Like, what does that actually look like? Yeah, for sure. So I think like when we're talking within a Christian context, you know, this, this idea of being affirming, you know, that means accepting me as, as I am and believing that that's good, <laughs> you know, not believing that someone's sexuality or gender can be a sin or something that is a mistake, but that this is part of God's design and mm -hmm. intended creation, like not, not looking at who I am as a sin. <laughs> yeah um but going no you are you are the way you are because that is how god has created you to be yeah. um yeah being an ally is is kind of a bit of a broader thing and not so much specific to the christian context but still very much about this idea of kind of accepting and welcoming queer people as as we are and it's about like standing up with us and amplifying our voices and helping those that have been cast out by society you know crazy the sort of thing that you know sounds like might be similar to what what jesus did a long time ago maybe <laughs> possibly i don't know strange ideas what is this yeah <laughs> yeah and i'm all for especially like within christian spaces people reevaluating. wait like am i actually an ally 
am I actually affirming beyond just like my words or like what I say to people? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm all for that, but I'm also for there actually being like action to those words yeah. or to those Instagram posts. Um, yeah. and then obviously going beyond June <laughs> and into every month of yes. the year. Um, yes. yeah. Um, and I guess just to wrap up our time together this week, um, if you could say anything to queer Christians um, in the closet or out who are maybe struggling to identify themselves as Christians or are struggling in this space, um, what would you say? I guess I'd say that it's okay if you feel like the label Christian doesn't fit you. Uh, you mm. can you can put it down for a time or for a season or for good if you need to. Like there's there's lots of different ways to find God and they're not all in the church. So if you want to find them, you will mm. um, just be comfortable in yourself and that's enough. Mm. Mm. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Bren, for today, for this week. Um, it means a lot that you would... Um, come on a podcast and kind of share a glimpse into your story and your journey um, and share it so vulnerably and transparently with all of us listening. Um, Yeah, it means a lot. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. Of course. And for anyone listening, I hope you enjoyed episode two of our Pride Month series. Um, I will see you on the next episode for episode three. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope this episode was relevant and relatable and that there was something in here that you can take into the everyday part of your life that can help impact an aspect of your world and you can be your own version of an amateur activist. See you next time.